Good morning. How are we doing? Baz, you still attached? <laughs> Everybody just look at Baz while he untaches himself. He's, he's stuck to something. You're right there, Baz. Can he have help? Is there somebody to help him out? <laughs> help him out, Rich. It's like one of them naughty boys who's been playing at the front and fiddling and he shouldn't have done. <laughs> Sorry, I'll take the attention off you now, Baz. <laughs> I thought, I thought you were part of like a drama act or something we're going to do. I, I thought, have I missed something, Ben? Have you put something in? <laughs> Sorry, Baz. Um, good morning. Are we okay? It's great to see you this morning in church. Um, I'm a little bit downhearted because Stoke lost yesterday. Thanks for the sympathy. Um, but you know, there are worse things that can happen in life, aren't there? There really are. And, and this morning, I want to speak... Really, I want to speak about really about something we can do daily because this year we're endeavouring to give God our best. We want to be a greater church, but that takes individuals to become better, and uh, that doesn't mean we become right with God. We become right with God by His grace. We don't deserve it. He gives us His righteousness. So this is not about becoming a better person, or this isn't be about our relationship with God being made right. He makes us right. We don't deserve to be made right. We're, we're like rags. We're, we're, we're poor. We're, we're, we're broken. He makes us right. So this is not about becoming a better person before God. This is about you learning to put something in your life daily that will help you to overcome and help you to live life to the full. Anybody want that? Does anybody realize life isn't always easy? You know, you start off in life and, you know, you don't realize, you're just speaking to somebody this morning, talking about going to school and they've, they've gone to work now and they say, I wish I could go back to school now. It was so much more easy when I was at school. But I remember this person saying to me, I just want to get out of school. But life's hard. Life throws things at us. You know, there's problems with relationships. There's, there's problems with sickness. There's problems in our jobs. And, you know, there's just difficulties. There's problems in the world. Life is hard. But I believe God has given us the ability to come to him and still live life to the full, even when it's hard. Okay, so I want to speak this morning about doing something daily. Um, I want to read Psalm 16, verse 17. This is David writing, sorry, verse 11, 16, verse 11. It says this, you will show me the way of life. Anybody want life? I'm not always good at this, to be honest. I can, I, can, I can operate in something else that doesn't give life. It says, you will show me, God, the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. So there's a, there's a path. One version says, you will show me the path of life. There's a path, there's a way in which we can live that gives life. There's another path we can walk on that doesn't give life. And we're all good at doing that. We don't need practice at it. We've been practicing for years at putting ourselves down and putting people down and not being nice. But there's a way that we can live that gives life. There's a way that we can live that gives peace to people. Peace to us and peace to other people. There's a way that David says we can live. There's like a cycle that we can go through on a daily basis that can help give life to us. There's another cycle that doesn't give life to us. And it's a little bit like this. been told to use blue because it's better. Are we ready? Okay, so there's this cycle, you know, to get better in life and to live life. There's a, there's a, there's a cycle that we can operate in. And we've got to start off by being honest. So this is like, if you want the cycle of life on a daily basis, just practically, this will help you. If you're getting a new job or work, this will simply help you. Be honest with where you're at. Okay? Second thing. Repentance or repent. Which means change the way you think about something. Change your heart or change of mind about doing something. And the third one. So honesty, repentance. And service. So this, this will lead you to life. Let's be honest where you're at. Have you been hurt? Has it affected you? Yeah, okay. But what are you going to do about it? Well, forgive and get rid of that offense. Let's change the way you think about that. And actually, let's put something into action. Do something about it and forgive somebody. In other words, there's a cycle here that we can operate that leads to life. 
If we're not honest and we keep deflecting responsibility everywhere, we're not going to change. It's just deflecting it. Moaning and complaining. It's just deflecting it. Are you upset? Let's be, let's be honest, you're upset. Okay, so what are you going to do? Forgive that person. Now you've got to be a bigger person and do something different. Right, I'm going to have to change the way I think, a better attitude, and actually I'm going to put it into service because I'm not just here for me anymore. That's the small world we can live in. If we think we're here for me, that's the smallest life we can live. But if we realize we're here for other people, that's a bigger world that we're living in. That's a bigger, more mature mindset. So this, I believe, leads to life. Let's be honest, repent, and put it into practice. Do something, act on it, and use what you've learned. Can you imagine everybody living like this? Can you imagine everybody living like this? Can you imagine this blue pen you gave me? Can you imagine when somebody goes through something and it hurts deep down, but they change in and through it and learn something from it, and that becomes a service to others because it brings hope to those who are also going through it? This is the way God's made for us that we can come to him and still live life to the full even though we go through difficulties. It's called a testimony. It's called overcoming. It's called doing something different in the world. The other cycle, do you want to see this one? That doesn't lead to life. Right, you you know, we all start off, don't we? We say, right, I want to do something different or I I want to change my attitude. And we start off on the path And all of a sudden, something happens, and before we know it, we are exhausted or we're tired. So we stop. We give in. I don't want to do it anymore. Can't be bothered. It's hard work. I've got to make sacrifices. No. (laughs) Is it just me? Does anybody else get tired? Okay. So the, the next thing that happens, okay, so we get tired Or what stops us on this journey is we think we're entitled to it. We deserve it. So we stop. Well, I deserve that. Why isn't this happening to me? I've worked hard. I should get this. Well, guess what? Life doesn't always work that way, does it? Well, I turned up every week, every week, every week, and now I haven't got that position or that that, that money that I deserve. Well, life isn't always, we don't always get what we think we're entitled to. Was that just me? Are you with me? So we stop entitlement. If you look at the Israelites in the Old Testament, okay, they were tired. They cried out to God. God had rescued them and they went through a cycle. They were tired. They thought they deserved something and they didn't get it. So then... we end up in the pit of self-pity. I like that pit. Does anybody else like that self-pity pit? (laughs) Hey, where you rub yourself feeling sorry for yourself. You rub your wounds and you know what I mean? I wish I should have got that. So you sit there like this. You come in church and you think, no one's talking to me, so I'm going to sit here with a face on me. (laughs) See if someone will talk to me today in my pit. That's, That's not the cycle of life. But we do it, we stay in self-pity, feeling sorry for ourselves because we got, didn't got, get what we think we should get in our entitlement. And it's so subtle in our emotions and in our thoughts that it actually doesn't lead to life. It leads to you stopping, stalling death. It's not a life-giving source. Are you with me? So we've got to learn to identify this when we're in this and then begin to operate in this. Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest with where you're at. You're going round and round and round, complaining and moaning like the Israelites for 40 years and you never lived in the promises of God. Do you want to stay there? Keep moaning and complaining about it. It's not changing anything. But if you want to change something, well, let's think differently about it. Let's get some other thoughts or wisdom in there. Let's get some truth in there. And guess what? Truth can hurt. Well, God doesn't hurt me. Truth hurts. Life hurts. We get hurt. You know, the ability for you to change, to bring life to you, your threshold is your pain level. You're my friend this morning. It is. 
It's your pain level. We've all got a pain level or a level that we'll go to relationally. We'll go so far and then we'll retreat back because we've been hurt before. But your ability to go again and love again. So here's an example. When I met Sarah, I'd been hurt in relationships. I had a pain level as far as I wanted to go. I felt used and abused by ladies, so all I wanted to do was use and abuse ladies in my life because I felt like they used me. So then I had to realize, that's not going to help me, is it? <laughs> Come on, I've got to behave as Jesus would behave. I'm going to have to change some things. But you know what? There was a pain level because I had to trust again when I didn't trust. Do you understand what I'm saying? So your threshold or your ability to change is identified by your pain level. Your ability to make sacrifices or to pay the cost. Us as a church, how much pain or sacrifice do we want to make for a generation? Or do we just want life to be comfortable for us? That's not the Jesus way. It's not the Jesus way. It's not the way the disciples walked. There was a cost. There was a sacrifice. There was an honesty. There was a repentance. And there was a service that they were giving of the gospel. This way, oh, it's making me tired. This is, I don't want to turn up for church this week. I don't want to encourage somebody because now it's about me. Can you see the cycle? But this is the cycle God wants us. This is the way David's talking. This is the path of life. Does anybody want to walk on the path of life daily? So I'm going to give you some things you can do daily. This is not a one-off. This is not a deliverance event, right, pulling the Israelites out of Egypt, out of bondage. This is a daily activity that you need to learn to do that will bring life to you. It will get you out of self-pity. It will get you out of guilt. It will get you out of shame. It will get you out of the things that enslave you daily. Does anybody want it? I know I do because I struggle with some of this. I know I slip into this. And then I'm reminded when I come to God and I read his word, actually, I'm feeling sorry for myself. Wow, what's I feeling sorry for myself? I focus it on me instead of on God and on God's kingdom and what God wants to do and God's will for my life. Not my will, his will be done. So when we're praying this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Where is my will in this? Do you see what I'm saying? But imagine a people that bring God's will in. So let's have a look. We're going to read Philippians 4, verses 6 to 9. It says, don't worry about anything. Anybody good at worrying? Worrying. I reckon I'm an expert. I reckon if, I, if, there, was, if there was a degree in it, I think I would get a first. And if there was a doctor, I'd, a master's, I'd be there. I'd be at the top. Is anybody else good at worrying? Come on. Little things that you don't need to worry about, you worry about. It says, do not worry about anything. Instead... Pray about everything. So the first thing on a daily basis that we need to learn to do to bring God in our lives. Does anybody want a spiritual breakthrough? Because if you want a breakthrough, this is the first thing you need to learn to do, I've learned, is pray about everything. See, we're only going to get a breakthrough if we seek a breakthrough. We're only going to find God if we seek God. We're only going to see and discover his wisdom in our situation that we're asking about if we actually seek him first. If we're just seeking the world and what people think and worrying about all this and that and our minds are full of stuff and there's no room for God in there to actually speak to us because my mind is full about tomorrow. What does Jesus say? Matthew 6 verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Let tomorrow, I don't know who tomorrow is, but let him or her worry about it. Because it says each day has enough trouble of its own. So some of you are probably thinking about tomorrow already. You're back to university. <sighs> My head's starting to focus on that. Or there's a wedding going on. Condor. 
You know, I've, I've been thinking about the wedding because I've got a leader and I've got to speak. So you start to think about it. And before you know it, your mind's consumed with thoughts and everything. And you're not even focusing on your kids and your family while you've got a day off with them. Because my mind's full of stuff I'm thinking about. Now, that doesn't mean we don't plan and do what we need to do. But then we need to start worrying about it. Do you see what I'm saying? How much energy, time, does it do we put to it that actually begins to wear us out and exhaust us emotionally, psychologically, when really we could rest? Anybody want to learn to rest? This is the key to resting in God. Don't worry about anything. And that doesn't mean that we don't actually wait, because he's saying you will actually worry. <laughs> he knows you're going to worry because he's putting it in there. Doesn't mean like, I'm not going to worry about, I'm not having any worry in my mind. No, you're going to worry. But when you get the worry, you need to do something with it. You worry about your past. Oh, if I'd only done that better. And we carry the regret for how long? We carry the guilt, we carry the shame. And it affects us emotionally and psychologically that it's in our today. It happened 15 years ago, and it's still in our today. Or we're thinking about five years' time when I need to get married, and I'm, I'm worrying about having a relationship, and I've not got a, ma- a husband or a wife, and I'm, I'm consumed by this thinking, and I can't even live in today. And before I know it, I'm exhausted. I'm thinking, I should have a husband or a wife, and before I know it, I'm operating in self-pity and feeling sorry for myself. It's all because I don't really feel valued and loved. But, God says, we need to go to him. Paul writes this, and he's saying, don't worry about anything. What are you worrying about this morning? Why do we worry, by the way? Why do we worry? We worry because we want to be in control. Is it just me? wanting to control everything. <laughs> I want to know what's going to happen. Some of us are worse. I want to know. You know. Me and Sarah are very different. I can be very, yeah, and it'll just happen. Sarah's like, we need to know because we need to plan. And, da, 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 da. Right? and we pull each other. And it's a good balance, a good tension to have in life. It makes a great marriage. We've learned that. But here's the deal. Right? Do not worry about anything. But we do. So God's saying, and I mean, don't worry. Stop filling your head and being a control freak. You're trying to control everything so it fits just you, so it makes you feel better. Well, unfortunately, you're not going to control everything in the world. We know that, but we still try and do it. Because we're scared that it's going to make us look bad. We're scared of what pain it might cause us. So our pain level, our threshold, is causing us to actually put everything in place. And think, I've got it organized and it's all sorted now. And I am controlling the world. Now I'm at peace because I know what's happening. Making sense? Is this just me that does this? Michael, you're pretty steady. Do you do this as well? <sighs> Wayne, do you do this? I mean, you're Mr. Steady Eddie. You worry as well. Thank you. There's some rocks in this room, but I'm sure they worry as well. I worry. Little things. But what I've discovered is, when I stop worrying and I give them to God, I find that he actually answers them. Oh, sorry, they're coincidences, aren't they? There are coincidences that happen... In my life, things I've even forgot, I've even in, in my heart that I've actually been thinking about, and they get answered in a way that I've, I'm like, wow, God, you, you must have gone ahead and done that. You must have done, because what are the chances of that happening? What's the chances of that person saying that to me and that doing? And it just brings reassurance to you that God's here, never leaving us, never forsaking us, that he promises to go ahead, he promises to defeat our enemies. And we'll look at that in a second. So the first thing on a daily basis is don't worry. I want to sing that song. Don't worry about a thing. Come on, let's sing it. Every little thing going to be. You know it. You know it, see. So tomorrow when you get up, 
You say, today, God, I give my worries to you. I give my job to you. I give my kids to you. I give my family to you. Today, God, I call on you, the living God, to go before us. You promise. I'm not even asking you to go. You've already gone, and I'm reminding my mind that you've already gone before me. I'm just lining myself up with you on the path of life. Don't worry about a thing. Come on. Everybody knows it. Every little thing. He's going to tell me off for singing. I know it. I don't get a chance very often. Don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing, every little thing going to be all right. Now, I'm not saying you don't worry because you do worry. But what you can do is learn to channel your worry to something that's far bigger resource than you've ever known. I mean, we could sing many songs. He's got the whole world in his hands. We've got the whole world. Come on, these little things. He's got the whole world spinning 67 miles an hour and 1,000 miles an hour and all that business. How's he doing it? He's got it all. Don't worry about a thing. Romans 8 verse 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What kind of mind do you want? Do you want a death mind that is consuming you, burning out, giving no rest, totally enslaving your life? Or do you want a peace mind that gives you peace with God and leads to life? I know what I want. I don't always do it. But it says, those who are led by the Spirit of God, those who are led, it says, are like sons. We grow in it. We become mature. We rest in who God is. We rest in who we are. We can, we can rest in our peace with God that we're sanctified, which means made holy through the blood of Jesus. I can rest in his promise and in his goodness. I'm just waltzing on a Sunday, on a Monday, and the promises of God. I'm growing in the spirit of God, becoming more fruitful. This is the plan. This is what God wants for us. So don't worry. Worry's worthless. How much do you gain by worry? If you, if you took a tally, if you took a record and measured everything you're worrying about, okay, and, and, and you ticked off everything you were worrying about that happened, I probably guess you'll probably find that about 1% of what you're worrying about actually happens. But you've used 99.9% of your brain worrying about what isn't even happening. Don't we? Filling it, filling it, filling it, filling it. What ifs and buts and all that ifs and everything else in there. And it consumes our life, therefore, mentally, emotionally, psychologically. You know, doctors are saying there's there's things at the moment where it's showing like tablets, depression and all that. It's increasing more and more in the world. I can't remember what the statistics show. Something like three times the amount are being taken now than they were 10 or 15 years ago. I mean, come on, that's some increase. And you wonder, they're kind of, nobody's crying out to God and realizing that God has the answers to this stuff. Because we're all just doing it ourselves. We're all going self-help groups, do it yourself, DIY and everything online, and it's not working. Because it won't work. It won't work. But God has the answers to life. He knows the path, he knows the way, he knows the songs, because every little thing's going to be all right. Don't worry. So, first of all, don't worry. Easier said than done, that's not easy to do. But if you channel your focus onto something else, instead of on the worry, then I guarantee it'll help. So the second thing, what do we do? Philippians says, instead then, turn the channel. Press the button. Turn over what you're watching. The thing that's not good for you. Stop trying to focus on it. Stop doing it. This is what you do. Turn the channel and pray about everything. Wow, we're flicking the switch, baby. Wow, who's not told me? I mean, how much do you fall out of the, over the remote control at home? Who's having what on? I mean, it's not as bad now because we've got tablets. 
So you've got one in the corner watching one tablet. I've got one in the corner watching another tablet. I've got my iPad on and Sarah's watching the TV. She can have the control as much as she wants now. We don't talk to each other. We don't get on anymore. But, you know, the high school one's watching something. The little one's watching something. And I'm grateful for tablets because I've been watching them for the last 11 years. You know, me and Peppa Pig were like that. I know everything about Daddy Pig. Although I think he's abused on that TV program, by the way. He gets a bad, he's like, he's like the idiot on that TV. I think he's wrong. I think Homer Simpson's wrong as well. Sorry, that's my opinion. Makes men out to be stupid and idiots all the time. But that's my opinion. It could creep into families. Anyway, that's my opinion. But here's the deal. You can turn the channel. You can flick the switch. You can get on board. You can operate in your relationship with God on a daily basis. And start it off in the morning with prayer. Ooh, what are you worrying about? Flick the switch. Flick it. There. Stop worrying. God, I want to bring you into the equation. Or you can put a ceiling over that and say, I'll sort it out. I'll be in control of my own life. Now, listen, there are things that we need to do on a daily basis. You need to work hard on all the principles of God that he tells us to be successful. We need to put them into place. But if your life is consumed by worry, it's not going to be a life source. You're not going to carry peace. And you're not going to produce fruit for people in your family and in your community. People will go, that one's stressing all the time. He's saying this and saying that. And I thought he's supposed to be trusting in God. So, what do we do? We flick the switch. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says this. I love this scripture. Cast, throw, all your thoughts, all your anxiety. Throw it onto him. Because he cares for you. How awesome is that? So why don't we throw it on him? Well, usually our mind's full of all this stuff and we don't even think about him because we're thinking about our kids or our family or we're thinking about the job or we're thinking about going to university. We're thinking about, we're just thinking about how good we look in the mirror. Spend all morning thinking, do I look all right? How much time have I spent? Do me air. You can laugh, I've got a grey coming through. If I don't shave it, you'll see it. People think I'm old. But we do, we consume with all these things. Flick the switch. Why? Because God cares for you. God cares for you. And there's nothing better than having a prayer answered privately. Not publicly, so we shout all about it. Privately. Secretly from God. <laughs> Psalm, I think it's 88. Have we got that one? 88 verse 9 says this. My eyes are dim and grief. <laughs> It's hard work. David, my eyes are dim. I can't see. I'm struggling. Then he says, I call to you, Lord, every day. Not weekly. Not when I'm having a bad day. Not when I'm having a bad Daily, I call to you. I spread out my hands to you, he says. So what's he doing? David's learned that no matter what he goes through, his answer, his key, his star, is number one, the success, the path of life leads to, first of all, prayer and calling out to God. I'm not talking about you being successful in, in any area. You know, you can be successful. There are successful people. In the world. I'm talking about life that God gives to you, peace that God gives to you, so you can be fruitful in the kingdom of God. So that even though you go through trial and tribulation, you're going to come out the other side because you've followed God and called out to him. Now you have a testimony of the faithfulness of God. My eyes were dim. I didn't understand. I didn't get it. It was painful. Why did this happen to me? Why have I had to go through this? I don't get it, God. It's confusing. But I'm going to lift up my hands to you and I'm going to call out to you, the living God, because you are the giver of life and I'm going to trust in your promises even when I've been bombarded, even when I feel outnumbered, even when I feel small, even when I feel inadequate, even when I feel not good enough, it says that you care for me. So I'm going to cast them cares upon you and I'm going to call out to you on a daily basis until you answer me. And it says, if I seek you, I will find you. That's what he says. Do we believe this? And then you get a breakthrough and the clouds begin to clear and your vision begins to see. 
as God has lifted you above all the mess that you have been in and how you've been enslaved by this world. But God wants to set you free. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you life. And sometimes we think, why do we have to go through pain? Why do we have to go through difficulty? And I think God allows it. Because it's the heat that causes us to turn to him. When we're not listening. We've stopped listening to God because we don't need him because everything's going well. So he allows things in our lives. to. He could stop it tomorrow like that. He could make sure everything for you, nothing goes wrong in our eyes. But he allows it to happen because he wants to speak to us sometimes. He says, God let things happen. Yeah, he does. Do we believe that God is sovereign? Do we believe he's above all things? So if he's above all things, he must be giving permission for things to happen. And allowing things to happen. But here's the promise. He uses it all for good. So you're on the winning side. I don't understand it all. I don't get it all. But I know things happen. What will we do? Will we go here? It's exhausted me. That sh- I don't deserve this. I'll feel sorry for myself. Or will we go, do you know what? It hurt me. But I know God. I believe God loves me. So I'll change. I'll have a better attitude. I'll change God. I- I'll do whatever it takes. And then all of a sudden God changes and I have breakthrough and ready with testimony for service. I think that's good. So, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Matthew 6, verse 6. I've got no clock on at the back, by the way. I don't know what time I'm on. So put some clock on so I know how long I've got to go. Um, Matthew 6, verse 6. From the message, I really like this. It says, here's what I want you to do. So this is Jesus teaching people on how to pray. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. It's not putting a show on, telling people what we think and, you know, oh, God's done this. It's not about that initially. It's about a relationship with God. He says, just be there as simply and honestly. Honestly, come on. Come to him. Come on, honestly, how are you feeling? Honestly, what kind of day are you having? Honestly, simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God. So prayer shifts our focus from us to God. And we realize how big he is and how resourced he is and how much life he can give to us. So it will shift your focus from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. What is grace? What does that mean? Grace gives us the ability to do things that we could not do in our own strength. So when we go to God, go to him in the secret place quietly between you and him. And then out of that place, he will hear you. Your, your focus shifts from you self-pity, feeling sorry for yourself, to who God is. And then what will happen is you will experience a sense of his presence. That's why David says, you, you know the path of life. In your presence, there is everlasting joy. He's understood that even though he's getting bombarded in every, every, every area of his life, that even his, his sons and people come against him and he's accused of stuff and, you know, the Philistines come against him. Even though he's in absolute war, he's found a place with God that gives life and peace. That's why he can write, you know, things like, I think it's Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place. The secret place. Not the public place. I'm doing good in church. Are you not? You're a broken mess like all of us. Let's be honest. You're struggling. Life's hard. But when you go to the secret place, Jesus, I want to come to you. Come on, I want to open up my heart. I want to be real with you. I need your help. David says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my fortress and my refuge. In him I will trust. It talks about enemy coming against him and arrows from one side. The snare of the fowler coming against him. Accused of this, that. Everything's going on around him. But he knows he can dwell in God's presence and there's peace and life there. Because his heart and soul is in him. 
and trusting in what he says, not what the world says, not what his enemies say. He is at peace with God. How amazing is that? And I think this happens when we do it daily. Go to the secret place and talk to God privately in your prayer. So let's do the next one. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Switch the channel. Turn your prayer, turn your worry into a prayer. I reckon you'll stop getting, you'll, you won't get as many worries. Especially if the devil uses, is trying to get you worried. He's going to stop worrying you if he realizes you're turning into a powerhouse. Oh yeah, I'll turn these into prayers. Oh, I'll turn them into a prayer. Oh yeah, it works. Oh, God's answering my prayer. Oh, I've got life and sense of grace. I'm overcoming. Devil's like, got you on that one, didn't I? <laughs> is it just me or am I just stupid? Come on, let's keep going. Thank, next one. Thank God in all things. Woo! How's your thank you list doing this morning? Have you got a list that you're thankful for things? I bet you've got your Christmas list going, haven't you? Anybody got a Christmas list ready? Good. It's too early. Somebody, we went somewhere the other day, they got a Christmas tree up. It's a September Christmas tree. You know, people will start getting lists, and we're good at doing lists, but how's your thankful list? How's your list of thank- things you've got to be thankful for? Come on. Or have you got an entitlement list? Oh, you like that one, don't you? Come on. I, I deserve this. We went shopping the other day, Sarah's birthday. I did well. I got her a Pandora ring. And she wanted a Pandora ring. Well, what happened is we went the day before. This little story, a bit off, off the road. We went the, we went the day before. I said, I'll take you the day before. She got a bit of birthday money. Let's go the day before. Goes the day before. What does she do? I won't go in the Pandora shop. I want a ring. I'm like, I've got a ring. I, I, moved, I moved away from the Pandora shop. But here's the deal. Have we got an entitlement list? I'm not talking about desires, things for God that you want to do. That's good to have ambition and, you know, and, and faith for things. We've got an entitlement. We've got a self-pity list. Or have we got a thankful list? This is the key. This is the key to the presence of God. This is the key to life. This is the, David says, I enter his gates with thanks. Thanks. You want to enter into the presence of God, it happens through thanksgiving. It happens through thanksgiving. If you're focusing continually what you do not have and it's pulling you down and you're concerned about everything, that you haven't got a plan and you haven't got a future and God doesn't know what's happening in your life, all of a sudden you're consumed by worry. But the key to opening up, the key to life is thankfulness. Go home, write down a thankful, thankfulness list. What have you got to give thanks for today? Well, I'm still breathing. I might be feeling like everything's, I'm outnumbered on every side and I don't know what I'm doing, I'm not coping, but there's breath in these lungs, so I'm still alive. So I'm going to shake something off today, I'm still alive today. Wow. There's got to be somebody in your life who wants to be your friend or you've got a relationship. I've got somebody in my life I can be thankful for. I'm sure you've got some people you think you don't want to be thankful for. But actually, they'll probably help you to grow, so you should be thankful for them. Write a thankful list. It says, Philippians 4, verse 6, give thanks. So it says, do not be anxious about anything. Instead, in every situation, through prayer and petition, with giving thanks, tell your request to God. So here's the key. If we go to God with a wrong heart, a wrong motive, we're going to struggle to hear him. But if we go with a thankful heart because what he's done, the only way we can enter into God's presence is because what he's done. The only way, you know, in the Old Testament there was a temple and in the temple was the presence of God. The only way they could enter in through the first gates was they had to make a sacrifice of a lamb and the blood of the lamb allowed them to go into the first area of the courts. So the priest couldn't go in without that. Here's the good news. Jesus is your priest. Jesus is your blood. And he calls you to be a priest now and to enter into the presence of God. You don't get in by your own righteousness. You get in because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, I can't go in. No, but by grace, there is a throne room of grace that you can come into. Wow. 
I don't feel good enough to go in. You're not good enough to go in, but Jesus makes you good enough. Jesus, you know, maybe you didn't do this, but when I was younger, I went to nightclubs. Don't recommend it, really. But I used to go to a nightclub, and there'd be a bouncer on the door. And he'd always be big with a bald head. Sorry if you're big with a bald head in here, by the way. But here's the deal. He'd be big with a bald head. And so he'd be like, not coming in. There was even a song about it. Your name's not down, you're not coming in. And you'd be like, I can't come in. Big brute. But now and again, you knew somebody who could get you in. So you'd walk up to the door, and you'd think, every other week I haven't got in. But because my mate here, who owns such and such, he's going to get me in. So I'd walk up, and you'd go, can't get in today, I'm going to show you. Yeah, you're not getting in today. And all the line would look at you, and you'd think, everyone's looking at me, but I'm going in today. And you'd just about put his chest out, and then such and such would put his arm and go, okay, it's okay, he's coming in today. He's coming in today because of me. We get in because of Jesus. We get in the presence of God because of Jesus. I'm thankful that it's not about me because I'm worrying and concerning and trying to control the world. I can't do it. But I entered grace, the throne room of grace, because of Jesus Christ. So I'm coming today, Lord, into your presence. I'm coming to give thanks for what you did. And all of a sudden, your eyes are off yourself and they're on to God, what he did through Jesus Christ. Man, I've got something to be thankful for today. I've got the precious blood of Jesus that was poured out for me. I have the forgiveness of son. I now believed in him. And now I'm a son of the living God. I'm born of God. I'm a child of God. Therefore, I'm no longer a slave. Therefore, I don't need to be fearful of being a slave because I've been set free. I'm coming into the presence of God every day. Why would I want to be anywhere else? I'm coming in because my friend, Jesus, has made a way for me to come in as a priest. Like the Old Testament priests, once a year they went in. You can come in now. You can experience the presence of God. His presence and his joy is everlasting joy on a daily basis. So don't get up thinking, right, I've got to say my prayers today, then I'll earn the presence of God. No, just get up and give thanks for the presence of God. Because it's alive. You think you've got to earn it. You can't earn it. Get up and give thanks. I'm running time. Okay. Thank God in all things. By the way, this doesn't mean thank God for all things. I don't want to thank God if someone gets sickness in my family. Well, God, I thank you today for this sickness. Why? That's not God what God wants. God wants to give you life. He wants to make you healthy. He wants your soul to be healthy. Don't give thanks for things that are thrown at you that are not good. But give thanks in all things. Watch this cycle here. Doesn't kick in. Be aware of this. God, I'm knackered today. I need your grace. Why am I tired? I'll be honest. Am I not prioritizing? Am I spreading myself too thin, God? It's, can somebody help me get a different perspective on this? How and learn from people. But I'm going to give thanks. You know, and even sometimes things happen to us. My question is always this. Me and Sarah have always been the same. What can we learn from this? I don't like it. It stinks. It hurts. Can we learn anything from it? That's the attitude that we want. Because if we have that, we're actually teachable and moldable. If we don't have that, we will put a ceiling on our ability and our relationship with God to learn and let him teach us something from the mess we make, the mistakes we make. So, fill yourself with an attitude of gratitude. You know people who are, who are thankful, because it's in the word, thanksgiving. Thanks, giving. Thankful. People who are full of thanks are giving people. Thanksgiving. So David says this in the Psalms, I think it's Psalm 16, verse 17. He says, come with a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Are you still my friends now I've talked about giving? <laughs> Be honest. Let's change the way we think. God has blessed us so much with his resource from heaven. 
Has it impacted our hearts, hearts that we know we're full of the presence of God? Now, all I want to do now is give back into the kingdom of God for service. Or are you going to go over here and say, nope, it's my money. I'm entitled to this. I'll stay where I am. Or are we going to bring right, an offering of thanksgiving? Woo! Wow, I've got service today in the kingdom of God. It's not about me. What do you want me to do today, God? I want to be thankful. So I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to outwork the gifts you've given me. What do you want me to do? Where can I serve? Do you see the difference? When we're full of God, it's overflowing out of us. When we're full of God's kingdom, we're looking with eyes that are open, not closed. We're looking for opportunity. We're looking where we can serve. We're looking who we can help. We're looking like light, the light of the world that's you know, all around, like salt and light. That's how we are on a, on a hill. We're not down here feeling sorry for ourselves because we've been lifted up above our circumstances. We're above all things, it says in Ephesians, when we know who we are in Christ. So as we begin to offer, and sometimes it is a sacrifice to give thanks, our flesh, our soul, our emotions doesn't want to do it because we're too concerned what the person's doing next to us and what they think of us. So we're not going to shout about what's on the inside. We're just going to keep it quiet. That's why on a Sunday morning we should be coming in here jumping off the, we should be swinging off these things. I've got joy everlasting. I got joy everlasting, oh Jesus. What overflowing? You know, look, I know when I grew up, I went in bars, right? I don't do that anymore. I'm not a drinker. But imagine if you were a drinker and you walked in the bar and the barman said this to you. It's probably not a good example. I'll get told off later, right? You can think of other things other than alcohol. You went in a I'm thinking now. You went in a milkshake shop. <laughs> Anybody like milk? It's the thing, isn't it? Like little dreams cake shop, right? You went in the milkshake shop, and the guy behind the counter says, you know what, today everything's available. The taps are open. Just help yourself. It's flowing. Come and help yourself. The bar is open. Come and help yourself, it's flowing. There's no end on these taps. I'm not going to close them off. Keep coming into the presence of God and let it flow. It's open. God's not taking it from you. It's just open. Heaven is open. He wants it to flow. He wants to fill you with his presence. He wants to fill you with everlasting joy. But it's not going to come out until you begin to give thanks for it. You've got to open the tap. And the key is thankfulness. Oh, God, I'm thankful for today for the breath that's in me. I'm thank you for the blood of Jesus. I'm thank you that I'm saved. I'm thank you that I'm right with you today. It doesn't matter if I'm right with nobody else. What matters is I'm right with you. I'll try my best to be right with people, but I'm right with God today. Have we got something to shout about? Listen, you don't have to be like me. You can be you. But it's got to come out. You've got to open up the taps. And begin to release the thankfulness of God from in your life. In all situations. Even though you're going through it, say, God, I thank you today that you're with me. I'm going to hold on to your promises. Amen? So thank God in all things. You know, even when you're going through it, remind yourself, I might be going through this, but God has a plan for me. <laughs> God has a plan for me. I might be confused and hurt and not sure, but God has a plan for me. I might not understand it, but God has a plan for me. I might not get that person, but God has a plan for me. And he's using it all to mold my character. That's how I feel some days. But he's using it all to mold your character and make you more like Jesus. That's his plan. To make you like Jesus Christ. To mature you and grow you and to make you more like Jesus. So that you in this world can be like Jesus and be light like he was. Not Jesus, but like Jesus and reflect his light in this world. So whatever you're facing, call out to God, go to God. Whatever you're worrying about, go to God. Your situation, your circumstances, go to God. You don't understand it, go to God. Turn your worry into prayer and begin to give thanks for who he is and what he's done. It takes your eyes off yourself. It will begin to fill you with his presence. Breathe it in. I do this sometimes. God, I want to breathe in your presence. I sit there and breathe. And then I go, some of these things that are in my thinking, I'm going to breathe them out. There they go. Wow, my mind was full of nonsense, junk. And now I'm resting in his presence. 
I do that, not very often, but sometimes I'll do it, I'll sit and I'll be still. Sarah knows when I need to do it. She'll say, go down the bottom room because my head is full of stuff. Go and clean yourself. Have some time with God. Go and chill. Shut the door, you and God, and sort something out because you're, you're, you're all over the place. And I'll go down there and I'll shake it off and I'll come back and say, you're a different person. I can't, God does it. <laughs> and the last one is this. Stay focused on true things. He says in verse, we can put it up, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So to break this cycle, to be a life source here, God is saying, this is what you need to do. This is what Paul's writing. You need to stay focused on what's true. And then there are many things that are not true that we listen to. There are many lies that we listen to. I'll give you one. In society, I know I've listened to it. If you're not smart, you don't matter. If you're not good in education or school, you don't matter. It's just me this morning. It's just me have these thoughts. I compare myself to somebody else. If I'm not like doing that certain job or you know academic career, somebody's going, I'm not smart. Or I'm not as beautiful as that other person. So I don't matter. My life doesn't matter. Is that true? But how many of us on a daily basis listen to what goes on in the world? We watch the tally. We watch everything. We think we need these things to make us worthy and valuable. And we fill our lives with thoughts and wrong thinking that the world throws on us of what beauty looks like or what matters. And we throw it on ourselves and it consumes us and we worry about it. But God says, stay on what is true. You matter. You matter to him daily you matter in your work you matter in your family how do we know that because he sent his precious son jesus christ for you that's why you matter his blood his precious blood is sufficient for you you matter god died for you you matter he was resurrected again you matter he came back he you matter he sent the holy spirit to reside in you that's why you matter do you believe you matter you matter Do you believe there's value and worth in you? You matter. But tomorrow you'll get up and think, do I really love myself? Where's that coming from? Is it from your past? Is it worrying about your future? Are you in today and realizing that you matter? God loves you. God loves you. He loved you with everything. He's never give up on you. He'll never give up on you. His love for you is everlasting. It's today, tomorrow, and for the rest of eternity. Therefore, there's nothing to worry about what he gives his love to you. It's everlasting. Wow, God's not going to leave me, and I'm loved in this world. You matter. Don't listen to the lies. Refuse the lies. Stop worrying and focus on God. Pray to him. Thank him for what you do have. Thank him for the blessing that you are to people. Thank him for the things he's given you. Thank you for, you know, who you are in this world. Thank him for your family. Fill yourself with thankfulness and stay focused on the truth that Jesus, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life. And if you want that cycle, you need to train yourself to fasten your thoughts on what is true. Jesus died for me. Jesus loves me. I'm going to hold on to the promises. On Thursday, it rained buckets outside. And every, I went outside and I saw this massive rainbow. So bright, so clear. And I looked at it and I thought, you know what? The rainbow that God gave in Genesis, the, the promise The promise that God has given is still here today. The promises of God do not change. His love is everlasting. We need to remind ourselves of His promise. I'll never leave me tomorrow. He'll never forsake me. His love is everlasting. His rainbow hasn't disappeared. Neither has His love for you. So daily, don't let His promise disappear. 
remind yourself of the promise of God. What He promised in the beginning, He promised to save you. And He was faithful to that. He's promised to return. And He'll be faithful to that. He's promised to put you in His presence. He's promised to make you right. And He's done that. He doesn't change. He doesn't deviate. He's not a God who changes. He's a God who's constant, who doesn't change, and who loves you. The only thing we need to do is we need to learn to change to what He says in His truth. And as we do that daily, this is what I believe it'll do. And as you seek God, it will break cycles in your life. It will break inadequacy. It will break lack of worth. It will make you to understand who you are, not what you think you should be or what others want you to be. You should begin to be built up from the inside out because God has a plan for you individually. So, what are you going to do this week? Are you going to choose to seek God? Are you going to choose the path of life? When you worry, turn it into prayer. Give thanks. Write a thankful list. Sit down at night and just write 10 things on your list you can be thankful for. There's a quote I've written down by Francis Bacon says, Reading makes you broad, but writing makes a person exact. If you write it down and focus on it, you will help to remind yourself what the things you've got to be thankful for. I'm going to finish with this. Ask the band come up. Do you want to take that down for me? I'm going to finish. You know, this world is, we're currently spinning. I might be wrong, you can correct me after. But roughly, we're spinning now on the earth. The earth is spinning at a thousand miles per hour. Are you with me? Are there any scientists that might want to correct me? Is that about right? Or maybe you just don't read as much like me. <laughs> the world is spinning, rotating at a thousand miles an hour, but God has designed it so you can be still. The world is traveling. The earth is traveling around the sun at 67,000 miles per hour. That's pretty good going. I mean, it's like if you put your head out the window. You know when you put the dog head out the window and the tongue goes... <laughs> Is it just me that shoves the dog out? I don't really. But you put your head out the window and everything's blowing back. Imagine doing that at 67 miles and th- your eyes had popped through and out your ears. You'd be like, oh my eye! Put it back in. The world is flying now at 67 miles an hour, right? I'm spinning. I feel like I'm on the waltzes at the circus. It's going round and it's going that way and I'm going everywhere, but we're still. Because God has designed it with gravity the earth's gravities so that in a chaotic universe he brought order and you too can find peace and life in a world that is chaotic you can learn if you go to God and be still and know that he is God you don't need to worry you don't need to worry turn your worries into prayer given to him who's got the ability to do this with the earth and the universe how much more can he do with your life by putting the spirit in you giving you his truth his word because he wants you to be at peace he wants you to be secure he wants you to know that you're loved are you with me is that helpful I don't know what path you want but I want to learn the path of life We also need each other to remind each other about this as well. We can't do it alone. Why the church is an important place that we do it together. Let us stand. We're going to pray and invite them. They're already up here. See, I don't need to worry about that. Give us a prayer about it, do you? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your joy. And I pray for each one of us in here as we seek you, that we would find you as you promise, that we would come with faith an expectancy to discover what you promised, to discover your truth. And I pray for each one of us to be built up, built up in your love. May we know you, Lord. There's nothing better than knowing you. 
I pray for each one of us through this week, no matter what happens, that we would know you. And if there's people here that don't know you, we pray for them right now to believe in you in their hearts, that you died for them, that you love them. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.